Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. I was really praying about what to speak on this Sunday, and God really impressed upon me to speak on a spirit of fear. And the reason I want to do that is because it makes me so mad as a believer in Jesus Christ, when I see someone completely and utterly paralyzed by fear, and one of my good friends needed to fly to Colorado um, on Saturday, and she has a phobia against flying. And phobias are fears. And the Bible says very explicitly that we as Christians shouldn't have to suffer with fear. It's not anything to be ashamed of. It's not anything to feel lesser than. But some of us operate under a spirit of fear, and that is not the will of God. Some of us in some areas of our life may have fear dominating and not even realize it. And so it's important for us to recognize what fear is, where it comes from. A lot of people don't even know fear is a spirit, and the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7 that it is. So we are going to look at that this morning. Um, first of all, I want to say, as you look at your handout, that there is positive fear and negative fear. Obviously, there is a positive fear that we are to have for God. It's a reverence towards God. It's a good fear. And if you look in Psalm 111, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so actually our reverence for God, our deep respect for God, the Bible says is actually the beginning of wisdom. And so we want to have that fear. But there's also a negative fear. There's a negative fear that can permeate your life in small areas or it can literally take over your life. And that is a fear that would choke out joy, that would choke out love, that would torment you or paralyze you. And that's what we're going to expose today, and that's what we're going to stamp out. Fear is a spirit, and it's not from God. Second Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And that scripture says two things to us. Number one, that fear is a spirit. Fear is not a feeling necessarily. Fear is not something that's abstract. Fear is literally a demonic spirit sent from the pit of hell to ruin your life. Second Timothy 1.7 makes it very clear. Fear is a spirit and that it's not from God. Because God says, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Romans 8.15 says, you have not received a spirit of bondage which leads again to fear, but a spirit of adoption whereby you cry out, Abba, Father. And so God says over and over in his word, not only does he say, do not fear, which, by the way, he says just about 365 times. If you look at it, it says in some way or another, do not fear, have not, no fear. God continually says, do not fear. And then he also says, fear is a spirit. And he also says that it can lead to bondage, and bondage could lead to fear. And that bondage is a spirit. And so I want you to recognize that first of all, because you know there's a lot of people that don't realize that fear is not from God, not the negative kind of fear that chokes out your joy, 
that, that brings that nausea to the pit of your stomach, that brings jitters, that brings anxiety, that causes you to break out in a cold sweat, or causes you to just be paralyzed where you can't make a decision, that is fear and it's not from God. That is fear and it's not from God and it is a spirit. And in recognizing that, we need to know then what can we do about it. Because some of you are listening to this and thinking, I don't really have a problem with fear in my life. And then others of you might be like my best friend that had to fly on an airplane on Saturday where you are literally paralyzed in some area, where you have a phobia against flying. You have a fear of public speaking. You have um, a fear of being misunderstood. You have fear in your life. You have a fear that you're making mistakes all the time. Do you know that some people operate under a spirit of fear that they're always doing the wrong thing? And it ruins your life because you can never say, God, you know what? I'm doing the best I can. One of my favorite quotes comes from Lacey Witten, which is, all you can do is the best you can. And he has to tell me that all the time because I used to operate under a spirit of fear that I wasn't doing everything perfect because I tend to be a type A perfectionistic person. And he had to say to me over and over and over again over the last 17 years of marriage, Kathleen, all you can do is the best you can. But my personality type had to know and learn that that there is a spirit of fear because I would get under fear under so many circumstances. And I had to learn, what do I do about that? Because I don't want to operate under a spirit of fear my whole life. I don't think you do either. And so this is an exciting time for us to stamp out a spirit of fear. And I believe that that's going to happen this morning for a lot of you, and I'm excited about it. I want us to look at something that's really important, first of all, besides acknowledging that fear is a spirit, besides acknowledging that it does not come from God, and besides acknowledging that God gave us something different than fear, he says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, but I did give you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. We need to realize that fear is the opposite of love. Fear is the opposite of love. Interestingly or not, I don't believe even that hate is the opposite of love. I believe that fear is the opposite of love. If you look in 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with torment. And the one who fears is not made perfect. In love. And the Bible here is telling us there is no fear in love. And it says that because fear involves torment, love involves perfect trust. Love is God, and there is no fear in love. Fear is the opposite of love in the Bible. And The reason that fear involves torment is for all the reasons that we just talked about. Fear brings that panic. It brings that uncertainty. It's anything but trust. It's that subtle seed of discontent. It's that um, deep, deep phobia that you might have. Fear is not of God. And we as believers in Jesus Christ do not have to be operating under a spirit of fear. We do not. 
And that's the great news that I want to share with you. And look at the Word of God and get free from fear because we don't have to operate under it. And, and I'm telling you that it, is, it does not have anything to do with circumstances. None. When I was diagnosed with leukemia and put in the hospital, I was diagnosed with leukemia and put in the hospital and transfused in one day. I thought I was pregnant because <laughs> I didn't feel good. I'm one of those positive thinkers, and so every month, you know, I just didn't feel good for months and months, and I kept thinking I was pregnant, I was pregnant, I was pregnant, I was pregnant, you know. My other friend didn't feel good, and she'll remain anonymous, and um, she and I both didn't feel good for months and months, and, and she was pregnant. She thought she had leukemia. <laughs> she kept going, oh, my God, I think I have leukemia, and I'm like, oh, no, you're just pregnant. I am too, you know, and I am leukemia, so I was put in the hospital on the same day that I was diagnosed and a spirit of fear came to the pit of my stomach and said, you're going to die. That gut-wrenching feeling, that spirit that you know, you know you've had it before in some situation in your life and it comes to you and says whatever it wants to say. And maybe it's familiar to you on a daily basis and I'm here to tell you it's got to go and it will go. Lacey put his hand on me and I said, because I asked him, I said, I've got this spirit of fear on me. And he put his hand on me in front of the doctors, in front of the nurses, and in front of friends. And he said, my wife does not have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. She has not received a spirit of bondage which leads again to fear, but a spirit of adoption whereby she cries out, Abba, Father. And that thing left and never came back. And to me, that is the biggest miracle or one of the biggest miracles of the healing that I had from leukemia was that I never had that fear again. I never had it again. I spent months in the hospital. I had nights by myself. My mom wanted to stay with me, but I had her be a day friend because she snores. (laughs) And so I spent nights and nights and nights by myself in the hospital hearing code blue hearing respiratory and heart failure, having friends that I had made next door go on to eternity. And I never had fear. This is real. This is something that you can be freed of. And I know it. And I am, I am absolute proof of it. Fear is the opposite of love. And God is love. We want to see that. In 1 John 4.18 it says, There is no fear in love, but for perfect love drives out fear. And that God is love. 1 John 4.8 says, Whoever does not know God, excuse me, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John 4.16 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So we look at these scriptures and it says that fear is the opposite of love and that God is love. And so we need to make sure that we are establishing that fear is not from God. See, if you think something is from God, you'll receive it. And you'll just go, well, I guess God just kind of put this phobia in me and it's my cross to bear. That would be a lie. I guess God just, you know, is making me scared of, of um, public speaking because he doesn't want me to share my testimony. That would be a lie. We need to make sure that we look at the Word of God and realize 
fear is not from God. It is a spirit. It's not from God, and he doesn't want us to have it. I want us to look at a few symptoms of fear, and I'm not going to go too, too long on these because there's so many. And that's the thing is it just makes me so mad at the devil. There are so many symptoms of fear, and fear is rampant, rampant on this earth, rampant. And the Bible says that before Christ returns, that actually the fear of man will increase and that man's hearts will grow cold. That fear will increase on the earth. And we as believers need to be aware of it and constantly guarding against it and knowing how to get fear out of our own heart, out of our own lives. You know, I think, I think back and I think, what if Lacey did not know to pray against a spirit of fear? What if that thing that just kept telling me, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die, just went on and on and on and on? How many people know in this room that what you believe is really created in your life in so many ways? I mean, your body actually will respond to what you believe in in so many ways. Because we are body, soul, and spirit. We're all one. And so what you believe and, and what you allow to come into you comes out in your life. And so we don't want a spirit of fear to have control in any area of our life. I want us to look at a few symptoms. Dread. Dread is a huge calling card for fear. And if you say a lot in your life, well, I dread this or I dread that, you're operating under a spirit of fear. Be aware of it. Worry. Apprehension. Nervousness. Doubt. Doubt is fear. Doubt manifests in, you know, I'm not sure I'm doing the right thing. I might should do this or I should do that. And there can be a ton of fear in there. Terror, obviously, is fear. Regret. Now, I wrote that because some people operate in a spirit of fear to where they are always regretting what they did. They always feel like they fell short. And they will operate under a spirit of regret so much that they almost can't make the next decision. And that's fear. Excessive timidity, paralyzed, you can't make a decision, can't move, phobias, obviously, psychological complexes such as panic attacks and anger. Um, some people get fearful and they get angry. They feel like, like when you see an animal that's been hurt and it gets backed into a corner and it just gets angry and, because it's fearful. And all of that is a spirit of fear. Nightmares. And I wrote Psalm 95, Psalm 91, verse 5, because it says, Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night. And that's something that you actually can pray over your children. I'm going to go backwards one and say physical manifestations can be fear, such as nausea or fight or flight. These are all just symptoms and calling cards of fear. And, you know, I want to just go back to one of them just to say that dread is a huge one that you don't really realize is fear. But it is because you're dreading and you're fearing some kind of event or something you're going to have to do or a decision you're going to have to make or something you're going to have to follow through with. And God doesn't want us to live a life of dread. He says that we're supposed to be able to say, this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And he tells us that we're not supposed to be anxious. It's that anxiety was a symptom of fear. 
The Word says we're not supposed to be anxious. It says be anxious for nothing, but in everything with supplication and thanksgiving, make a request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He wants us to have peace and joy and love and be able to give it away and not go from one dreaded thing and one fearful thing to the next. When you fear, you rarely can think of what God might want you to do. And when you fear, you rarely can think and listen to the Holy Spirit and be a vessel that's giving love because you're wrapped up in whatever you're fearing. Whether it's whatever it is. And so God doesn't want us to have fear. We can have fears of flying, like I talked about. My friend needing to fly to Colorado. By the way, she's there and she called me and I got this cell phone message that she's like, I'm here and I'm I'm not even worried about flying home anymore. And thanks so much for praying over me. And a whole bunch of women just really gathered around her and prayed. And prayed against the spirit of fear. And we'll talk about that. And she's free. And she's going to spend a week in Colorado having a good time with her daughter and her husband and having a good time without dreading flying home. That's God's will for us. We can also have fears of just disappointment. Did you know that? You know, after I had this last back surgery, I just realized something was not right. And I knew that a spirit of fear had crept in in my life and I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't figure out what it was. And I realized that what it was was that I was fearing disappointment because I had prayed that this would be just kind of an easy, breezy surgery and it wasn't. It was hell. And recovery has been extremely difficult. And I don't know why. All I know is that my husband said, Kathleen, what I want you to know is that God might have saved you from something worse. We need to praise Him. We need to praise Him that you're here. We need to praise Him that you're home. We need to praise Him that you're healing. And you can't fear. You know, sometimes we fear disappointment. And we get that subtle, like, how can I trust God anymore because He didn't do what I thought He would do. And we can't operate under that. We have to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and not lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge Him. And He will make our path straight. And the Word says there in in Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, that we're not to be wise in our own eyes, but we're to shun evil. And it will be health to our flesh and marrow to our bones. See, God wants us to trust and not operate in fear. And you can literally have a fear of being disappointed. You can have a fear of being humiliated. You can have a fear of being misunderstood. You know, I will not name names, but some people come home from parties and always say, Oh my gosh, I'm so worried. I said such and such. And I think so-and-so might have thought that I meant such and such when in reality... I just meant such and such, and I didn't know if maybe I should call so-and-so to tell such and such that I didn't say such and such so that she would think so-and-so knew such and such. You go through that one more time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you know what that is? If that happens repetitively in your life, 
You have a fear of being misunderstood. And you may have to stop and say, you know what? I don't receive that fear anymore. I will not operate under that. And I'm just going to trust you, God, that my friends know my heart and I would not intend to hurt anybody or to make anyone be humiliated or whatever it is. Some people have a fear of doing the wrong thing. They just fear it to the point where they can't even make a decision. So the the list of fears goes on and on. I want to address something really quickly because I have heard this taught and I feel that when we look at the Word of God, when we look at a spirit of fear, when we especially look at spiritual warfare, we need balance. And we're talking about spiritual warfare and we're talking about a spirit that is not of God that we do have authority over and I'll show you in the Word specifically But I want us to also express balance in this because I have heard it taught that what you fear comes upon you. And if if you have something happen to you, then that's because you feared it. Okay? Now, I have heard it taught through Job 3.25. In the life of Job, Job says, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come to me. And I want to say this real quickly. There is an element to that. People that greatly fear rejection draw rejection to them. There is an element to that. But it does not mean that everything that's happened to you is because you feared it. Okay? Um, I did not become born as a little girl and start fearing scoliosis. And yet I had scoliosis. And there would be certain camps of Christians that would say, yes, you had to have subtly feared scoliosis. And I would say to them, in all love and in all fullness of Jesus, you're nuts. (laughs) And so we need to have balance when we look at the Word of God. And we also need to realize, you know, there might be things in my life that I am fearing and I'm drawing to me. Maybe I so fear being misunderstood that I'm creating misunderstandings because I'm trying to clean up messes that aren't even there. And so we look at that side and we have balance, and then we look at the other side and say, you know, but there's things in my life that I didn't fear, and I need God's help with them, and they're not good things, but it's not because I feared them. And I wanted to say this. If, everyone, if anyone ever says, oh, gosh, you've had so many things happen in your life, you're just like Job, realize that in the the end, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. God restored the life of Job. And if you look in Job 42, verse 10, it says, The Lord turned the captivity of Job. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So I just wanted us to touch on that and get some balance. And I also want to say that God knows that we'll have times of being afraid. You know, you may be sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, you know, the Bible says 365 times in some way or another, do not fear, do not fear, do not be afraid. Can I never be afraid again? You know, what if I'm afraid again? Am I sinning? If I fear something, am I sinning? Absolutely not. We're not talking about that you'll never be afraid again. The Word says, So clearly, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Psalm 56, verse 3, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. That's one little scripture I'm teaching my four-year-old. 
he's getting scared at night. And I'm teaching in that scripture, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In other words, there's going to be times that I'm going to be afraid and you're going to be afraid. And we have to just keep saying to God, but I trust in you. I trust in you. I trust in you. There's no condemnation for having fear because there are certain things that are fearful. But we need to trust in God. But in saying that, God doesn't want us to live under a spirit of fear. What I was talking about earlier with those symptoms and then times in my own life, those are living under a spirit of fear. That's when we allow ever a spirit other than the Holy Spirit to control our lives or to operate in in some area of our lives, then we're giving over to a spirit that's not God. And so God doesn't want us at any time to live under a spirit of fear, and He's given us authority. If you look at Luke 10:19, it says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. God has given us authority over the enemy and over a spirit of fear. And he has given us weapons. And, and I want to say this because although this is not going to be an in-depth um, study right now today on spiritual warfare, um, some of us are real familiar with spiritual warfare and some of us are like, what, lady, what are you talking about, you know? I didn't know a spirit, there was a spirit of fear. I thought fear was just when I felt fear and I felt fear and then I feared and that was it. I didn't know it was a spirit. And this may all be new to you. And if it is, it's good news because you have, as a believer in Jesus Christ, authority over a spirit of fear and you do not have to receive and live under fear. If you live under a spirit of fear your whole life, that is a miserable life. If you're always fearful, if you're always dreading something, if you're always afraid, because that is not what God wants. God wants us to have trust and joy and love. In the midst of really tough circumstances, you can have that. In the midst of being in the hospital with leukemia, I had trust and joy and love and faith. Not because I'm some big, giant, awesome believer, but because a spirit of fear was not allowed to operate in my life. We took authority over it. And you can too. And we will this morning. And I want us to look at what the weapons are that we have because this is extremely important. Sometimes... You might recognize the spirit of fear and you want to rationalize it out. Like, I shouldn't have fear because it's a spirit, so therefore I'm going to stop doing it. Well, that doesn't always work. We have weapons in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, verse 5, 3 through 5. It says, for, we have, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. In other words, fear. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, which we found out is power, love, and a sound mind. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so I want us to look at a couple of things there. First of all, as Christians, as believers, our weapons are not the same as the world. Our weapons are not just simply um, talking against fear. Okay, I'm going to just talk myself out of fear. 
Our weapons are not the same. They are spiritual weapons. They are divine power to demolish strongholds. And so we're going to talk in a minute what our spiritual weapons are. And then secondly, one of the things I want to point out from 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, is that we're to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I want to just talk about that for just a few seconds. That is so important. Because even after I realized that I was operating under a spirit of fear of disappointment after this back surgery, even after I literally kicked out a spirit of fear using my weapons, which I'll talk about in a minute how to do that, it came back. It kept coming back and it comes back in thoughts. Spirits come to you many times in thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. Be afraid about this. Be disappointed about this. Aren't you dreading this? Fear thoughts. And I have to cut them off at the pass. And you will too. You need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and don't let it in. Meaning don't think on it. Start just saying out of your mouth, I trust God. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about these weapons and how to use them because it will change your life. It may save your life. It saved my life. First of all, the greatest weapon that you have, and actually the only offensive weapon that you have that's listed in the Word of God is the sword, which is the Word of God. Out of your mouth, that is the sword. When the weapons are are described in the Bible, it talks about the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and to shod your feet with the gospel and all of these different weapons and you and the sword, uh, and then the sword of the Spirit. And you need to realize that all the weapons that are listed as far as spiritual warfare go are all offensive to protect you. The only weapon that you have that's offensive, those are defensive, sorry, I'm getting confused. All the weapons are defensive. The only offensive weapon that you have is the sword of God, and it is so powerful. And Jesus himself taught us that that is what we are to use. When he was taken out to the wilderness, remember he was led out to the wilderness, actually led by the Holy Spirit to be tested. But Satan came and tempted him. And Satan came and and asked him all of these things, like, well, if you're the Son of God, you know, throw yourself off this building and all of that stuff. That Satan came and tempted him. And after Jesus had fasted for 40 days and he was weak, this is when Satan came and tempted him. There's a couple things we can learn. Is usually Satan comes when you're pretty weak. And secondly, what did Jesus do? We need to look at what Jesus did. He used the word out of his mouth to defeat the devil. That's what he did. He didn't say, hey, get out of here, devil, and leave me alone. He didn't walk away, and he didn't engage in a conversation with the enemy. Like, hey, you know, what are you really thinking? And why did you leave? And aren't you a fallen angel? And what are you doing? He used the word of God, and he said, it is written. You, you know, over and over, it is written, it is written, it is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God, etc., etc. So we need to do the same thing that Jesus did. How could we not do what The example is to us, did, to defeat the devil. We need to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Ephesians 6, 17, 
the sword of the Spirit, is the Word of God. And so that is why, you know, you all laugh at me about saying all these scriptures. Well, I didn't memorize them because I'm like wanted to get up and group of people and, and impress them. I memorized scriptures about fear, um, uh, about trusting God, because that is the Word of God. That is the sword, and that's what I've used in my life to defeat fear. That's what I've used in my life to bring joy and peace. When the enemy comes to me, I say the Word of God. And that's when he leaves. He has to leave. He flees and he fears the Word. He does not fear your words. He does not fear my words. He doesn't care how smart you are. He doesn't care how good and pure you are. He fears the Word of God. And that is why Jesus himself said, It is written. Over and over and over, and Satan fled. And that is why it's powerful for you to say it is written and to have a scripture. It doesn't even have to be a complicated scripture. Just the sword, which is the word of God. You can say it is written and say the simple scripture of when I'm afraid, I will trust in God. A fear thought comes to you, and here's an example of taking it captive. A fear thought comes to you that says, you don't have, you're not going to have enough money to pay for your children's college education. And, of course, you should take the practical steps that you would need to take. But if an irrational fear thought keeps coming to you to just suck the joy out of today, then you need to say, it is written, trust the Lord your God with all of your heart. And that is the sword. And you have cut off the enemy at the pass. You're not letting him in. And that is what it means by taking every thought captive because those are thoughts coming to you from the enemy. I call it caller ID. And um, the reason that that, uh, I kind of get a little grin about it is because that's just been something that's made a big difference in my life. When, When we get phone calls at dinner, if you get phone calls at your house at dinner, most of you have caller ID, don't you? Yes? I mean, you don't look at it and see that it's some solicitor and then go, oh, honey, you know what? Everybody stop eating dinner. I'm going to answer this phone call. You're like, you know what? Let the answer machine get it. I am not about to start that conversation. Well, so much more you need to be when the enemy comes to you. You need to have caller ID. You need to ask yourself, is this love or is this fear? And you can pretty much divide thoughts like that. And we just learned that love is the opposite of fear. And we just learned that God is love. And we just learned that the enemy comes to you many, many times in fear thoughts. And if it's a fear thought, take it captive to the obedience of Christ. Have caller ID and don't even let it in. It's a lot easier to not let something in than to try to get it out. You know, it's a lot easier... Um, to not let a burglar into my house in the first place, right? just to catch him at the door and, and not let him in. If I see somebody that looks burly and, and scary, it's a lot easier for me to not let him in than to try to get him out. And so don't even let the fear of thought in. Matthew 18:18. we need to look at this very quickly. It says, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is power to the believer. This is part of our authority. 
We're looking at the sword being our offensive weapon. We're looking at taking every thought captive. And now we're looking at prayer. And the Word of God says, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And then look at number four, agreement. Matthew 18, 9 and 20 says, Again, I tell you that if any two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. This is a simple package right here for you and your family to pray against the spirit of fear and for you yourself. And right now, with just a little bit of time left, I want to pray for you. I'm going to use the authority that we have, that we've been given in Luke 10:19, that we've been given authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And I'm going to use the Word of God, which is the offensive weapon that we've been given. And I want you just to bow your heads, and I want us to pray in agreement because it says that if any two of us agree on earth, that it will be done in heaven. Heavenly Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I bind any spirit of fear away from your children, your believers. And I ask God that you would come and replace that spirit with a spirit of, of adoption, whereby they cry out, Abba, Father. God, I come against any spirit that would be harassing them, tormenting them, In any way, a spirit of regret, a spirit of doubt, a spirit that would just come and and take the joy out of today, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that your word is our sword, and I just speak trust and belief and joy over them. I pray that they would trust in the Lord with all of their hearts and not lean on their own understanding anymore but in all of their ways they would acknowledge you and you would make their path straight father as parents right now we pray against the spirit of fear over our children we come against it and we command it to leave in the name of jesus according to matthew 18 we agree that it would be gone lord we pray against the spirit of fear in every area of our life and over our entire family. And we ask you, God, to help us to take every thought captive so that we can cut off at the pass thoughts from the enemy that would come to steal joy and to steal the things that you would have from us. God, I thank you that you make it so clear in John 10.10 that it is the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy but that you have come that we might have life and life abundant. And I speak life and life abundant over this group. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWhitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.